and welcome to Go Go Sports Bros, the sports show for anyone who's already super excited for America's greatest annual sporting event, the Puppy Bowl. I'm Olivia. I'm Emily. And I'm Cammy. Well, guys, how's 2017 treating you so far? Treating me real right. Can't complain. We're off to a great start in the new year, but it's been a few weeks since we've done one of these podcasts, so... Emily, what is GoGo Sports Bros? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> All right, think back. Look deep into your memory. What okay. is GoGo Sports Bros? Okay, GoGo Sports Bros is a sports show where three people, three family members who know basically nothing about sports, much to the dismay of their family and friends alike, um, endeavor to learn everything about sports because we just aren't going to do anything halfway now are we huh so we pick a sport every episode and we learn everything we can about it um sometimes some members even attend sporting events or participate in sporting lessons that's right this is a very special episode because one of us uh, went and took a lesson in our chosen sport. And what sport is that, Mom? This episode's sport is curling. And you really just went above and beyond this week, didn't you? Well, I got to tell you, of all the sports that we've covered so far, you know, from water polo to rugby sevens to eventing, I'm always like the bar that I'm setting is like, is this a sport that I would be willing to watch? You know, and, and very few of them have actually jumped that bar, but this is the first sport that we've picked that I actually gave it a new test, which was, is this a sport that I would be willing to play? And believe it or not, it turned out that yes, it was a sport I'd be willing to play. And I may share with you later on in the episode, um, what an awesome time I had attempting this miserably failing miserably, but attempting this sport. I am so excited to hear how that went down. But first, a little intro to the history of this sport. Curling, uh, like a few of the other sports we've covered, has been around for centuries. It originated in the 16th century in Scotland, so that's over 500 years ago. And it was originally played outdoors on frozen ponds and lochs with stones that were called loafies, which is a pretty cute name. <laughs> But the uh, official rules weren't really established until 1838 when the Grand Caledonian Curling Club was formed in Scotland. Were they called loafies because they're like bread rocks, do you think? Yeah, were they stale loaves of bread? Well, they weren't stale loaves of bread, but were they rock-shaped like bread? I guess. Just a They might have been. I guess, I guess even the rocks now like could conceivably be a bread. Yeah. They're roundish. Anyway... So when Scottish soldiers and settlers came to North America, they brought curling with them. And oh man, did it ever take off in Canada. Um, and it also became fairly popular in some of the northern United States, Wisconsin, Minnesota, North Dakota being uh, the curling heartland of America to this day, apparently. Didn't know we had a curling heartland, but... But are you surprised? Nah, not really. Okay. And in fact, the Montreal Curling Club, which formed in 1807, was the first organized sporting club in North America. 
Um, really? Wow. Yeah. So curling kept moving west as the settlers moved west. Um, one fun anecdote, I read that in 1879, Manitoba formed their first curling club in Winnipeg. And they had their first match in December of that year. And as was the custom, the losers were required to donate a barrel of oatmeal to the hospital. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, but interestingly, the curl and curling wasn't part of the game until the mid-1800s. The idea of making the stones kind of curve around each other. That was a, that was a later development. But eventually, curling made it to the Olympics in 1924, although it was not a medal sport until 1998. And today, over a million people participate in curling, and of those million people, 90% of them are Canadian. Because <laughs> I guess you need, need a way to alleviate those long, cold, dark winters, I guess. Um, so you do need to have a cold place to play, obviously, but... Um... Uh, when it comes to the world championships of the top 48 nations that participate, you'll find teams from uh, places ranging from Israel to Mongolia to even Guyana and Mexico have curling teams. Wow. Huh. Would not, wouldn't expect curling to be super popular in like Mexico or Israel. Yeah. Curious right? how that took off. Yeah. Um, well, what I have been told, uh, I'm going to have a few anecdotes that I will pass on to you from my curling lesson. Um, but I was told that a lot of the countries and in our country, um, states where it has been popular for a really long time, it's kind of a little bit on the wane because, um, it was popular with past generations and uh, kids today don't want to do the same thing as their parents. So those areas are kind of seeing a little bit of a decline, but in areas like Georgia, where I'm from and Colorado and California and even Texas, um, a lot of the, the younger kids are anxious to try stuff that their parents haven't done. And so new clubs are forming there and it's becoming really super popular. So the kids today are like curling ironically, basically. Well, it's a very, um, it's a very social sport. So I can see it just being a lot of fun and just a, a fun thing for, um, people to get together and enjoy. And yeah, it, I guess it could be an ironic sport. After having watched it, I can definitely see that it would be a very easy sport to play while drinking a beer. So I can <laughs> see why, why the young folks would be into it. Yeah. One of the clubs here in Atlanta, because we have two, actually, uh, they they brew their own beer. That's amazing. So. <laughs> I mean, the fact that Atlanta has two curling clubs is also amazing. It's pretty crazy, it's the right? Best. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. OK, so moving on. Yeah. Let's talk about how curling is played. Um, I'll tell you the first thing that really uh, surprised me because I just Got to tell you, I never really thought about curling much other than, you know, it's always kind of the um, the punchline of every Winter Olympics uh, because nobody really thinks of it as an actual sport. But um, <laughs> now that we've delved into it, uh, a couple of things that really surprised me was I didn't realize that the ice that this game is played on is not smooth. It's bumpy. 
it's bumpy. Like it's they been described. They spray water on it. Yeah. It's been described so they make as it like. make bumpy on purpose? Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's what the whole curling thing is about. But it's been described as like the, um, like an orange peel, you know, how that's kind of, you know, how do you describe that? Anyway, it's not bumpy. smooth. So they <laughs> intentionally spray water on it to give it a pebbled effect. That's what they call it, pebbling. And um, that kind of slows down the stone as it's going along. But I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Um, so wait, is that why they're sweeping in front of the stone to like smooth out the ice? Because I was really confused why. I guess I always assumed that the brooms were used to like push the stone forward. And when I watched it, I was very confused that they just are kind of like scrubbing the ice in front of the stone, but never actually touching it in any way right so is that why that is yeah i never really fi- understood that either but the thing is when you it takes very little effort to launch that 42 pound stone um so it gets going down the ice but the pebbling is kind of slowing it down and depending on which way you might um kind of twist your wrist to manip- manipulate it so that it starts to spin a little, the slower it gets, the pebbling will cause the stone to curl a little bit to kind of, you know, veer off of its um, line. And um, what the sweepers are doing is there are uh, three things. They're kind of brushing away any debris that might be there to assist in the slowing of the stone. Um, it also warms the ice so the the friction that they're creating warms the ice and this causes the stone to continue to a fast trajectory so what you're trying to do is you if you're sweeping fast that means you want the stone to continue to go straight if you if you lay off the sweeping the stone will start to slow down and start to curl so that's when you watch the um, sweepers in front and you hear all this yelling. It's because um, the person in the back, who's known as the skip, he's the um, captain of the team. He's watching the stone and he knows where he wants it to go. And if he sees that it's starting to curl before he's ready for it to curl, he'll yell to his sweeper, sweep, sweep fast, sweep fast. And that'll warm the um, ice and also, you know, smooth it off a little bit and um, keep the stone going quickly. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It It also explains why there was so much screaming happening. There was a lot of screaming. I was watching this while I was cooking dinner, and I would look away and just hear the weirdest noises coming from this game. Yeah. Yeah. They yell a lot. They yell a lot. They they yell, they grunt a lot at each Mm -hmm. other. It was some weird noises. Um, So this might be, speaking of sweeping, um, something I found uh, when I was doing research. It was a, a request by probably our number one fan um there has been a recent curling controversy oh i read about oh, that has really? been, that Tell has us about been the scandal sw- sweeping the wor- curling word pun fully intended and used <laughs> by every single article that wrote about this <laughs> every gosh darn article <laughs> and you couldn't wait to use it <laughs> it's like oh that's so good no, they did not, they did not, uh, they were a little heavy-handed with the puns in these articles. Um, there was some low-hanging fruit. But, so, this is a recent um, curling controversy that's been happening this, well, I guess in 2016. But, so, in le- in the late 2016, um, this company, Hardline Curling, came out with this new curling broom. It's not even really a broom. It's more like a curling Swiffer. 
Because it's not, it, it's more, I guess it's more like a sponge type situation. It's not really a broom. Yeah, they are, the they're more like, they're more like sponge mops. I think yeah. that there, I think there are bristles underneath, but there's a pad across the bristles um, that makes it look more like a, like you said, like a Swiffer. It's like a, it's like a <laughs> curling Swiffer. Yeah. But so there's been this whole controversy because these, this new curling tech came out, um, but everyone's upset because they're taking it's taking away from the required skill of the throwers because they're giving the sweepers almost too much control. Some of the articles said that at this point it was almost too it was it made it more difficult to miss than to get get where you're aiming because um, of this new curling tech. So they had a sweeping summit. I kid you not. Um, in Canada, obviously, um, where they had different, uh, where they had professional curlers and officials and s- scientists um, trying like 50 different curling brooms to determine how much of an impact this new curling tech really was having um, on the sport, on how it was played and what what technique was required. Would they, would they determine? The last article I read said that they were going to pour over the data. So well it seems like the all the top teams have rejected the use of it. It's like a directional fabric and they the top teams are are rejecting the use of them. Is what yeah, I read. All of the it seemed like all the curlers um were upset about it because it ch- changed uh what the skill that was required by the stone thrower usually it should be that the person throwing the stone the curlers were saying if you do a really good throw that's what's going to impact how that's what's going to have more of an impact on how well you do in the match. And it should, um, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't do well if you do a really bad throw, but you just have these crazy curling brooms that make it like near impossible to miss. So, whoa, that's, you don't hear often about sports becoming like too easy to be fun. Yeah, that's a good point. That's pretty interesting. Let's talk about the just the fundamentals of the sport. Yeah, I think let's we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's backtrack a little bit and yeah. talk about the basic rules. Okay. Yeah. So you got this. That was a bad segue. <laughs> <laughs> you got this. You got this uh, venue, which is ice, and we've already talked about it. it's pebbled ice. They call yeah, a thin they, layer of pebbled ice. Yeah, they call the court that this sport is played on a sheet. Mm-hmm. And um, at the end of uh, the sheet's like about 150 feet long, I think. Does that sound right? Um, at the end of each sheet is what looks like a big bullseye. And um, you, what you're going to do is you're going to be sliding these stones from one end to the other, basically. Um, and you've got four players on each team. And each player has got plays a, a, a pretty specific and significant role. Um, right. and, and each player is going to be responsible for throwing um, two stones. Those are the big things that go sliding across. They're known as rocks or stones. Um, and they take turns. Um, so like team A will slide a stone and then team B will slide a stone. And then the person from team A will slide their second stone person from team B slides their second stone and so on. Right. And what's interesting about the stones, they have a very consistent weight. They're 44 pounds and they have to be made from a special granite that you can only find 
on this one island uh, in the Irish Sea off the coast of Scotland. Which is so cool. It's actually two. There's two places. You can also find it from a particular quarry in Wales. Right. But the reason you can only use this one type of granite is because it's much harder and denser than other kinds of granite. So whereas other other kinds would eventually, the impurities would start to pop out of the stone the more you use it, and the stone would become irregular and lose the smoothness that you need for a curling stone. But since this special kind of granite is so hard that it can maintain that even surface even after uh, lots of play. So I thought that was kind of cool. I did too. Pretty amazing that there really is only two places in the world where this uh, stone can be found. Very cool. So you got your stones. You've got um, four players. You've got, um, let's see, you're, you're wearing special curling shoes, which are, you got two different shoes. One of them has got a Teflon bottom, which helps you when you launch out from the hack, which is kind of like, looks like what, um, uh, tracks, track runners push off of when they're sprinting. Um, Mm -hmm. you push off from the hack and you're, you're on the slidey shoe. Um, but then your other shoes, it's called a slider. It is called a slider, right? It's just called that. I kind of liked slidey shoe, but sliders. (laughs) And then the other shoe I do know is called the gripper. It has a rubber sole and you need that because you actually do have to walk across the ice at some point. So you've got a slider shoe, a slider and a gripper. Um, and then you've got the brooms that Emily was just talking about. Um, and so the object of the game is to get your stones into as close to the center of the bullseye as possible. And that is much harder than it sounds, because if you think about these 44 pound, um, rocks being launched at each other, um, you're, you think you've got your rock in just the right spot. And then along comes your opponent's rock and knocks you out. Right. So in curling terminology, this is called delivering the rock, which is the shot that you make the initial throw into the house, which is the rings at the end. And the very center is called the button. And that's what you're aiming for. Right. So there's, um, there, like we said, there's four players, the, the four positions are you've got your skip, which is your team captain. They're probably the most skilled at delivering any possible kind of shot. They always do the last throw, the last two stones. And prior to that, they're the ones that you will see um, back at the end where the bullseye is, or the sorry, where the button is. Um, and they're going to be directing their other um, teammates as to where they should be um directing their shots. So you've got the skip and then you've got the mate, which is like the vice skip, um, also known as the third. And then you've got a second and you've got a lead. Uh, those are your four players. And, um, then you've got three types of shots that you're going to be throwing. You're going to throw, um, and usually the lead who does the first two shots will usually throw out something called guards And if you can imagine, they're going to throw some shots that are going to um, fall short of the house. And those are uh, trying to stop their opponent's shots from getting into the house. Um, And then your second type of shot is a draw. That's the shot that goes into the house and gets as close to the button as possible. And the third type of shot is the takeout. And that's if your opponent has got a good 
shot in the house, you're going to launch a shot real hard and, and try and bump them out. So what kind of shots were your area of expertise? <laughs> I'm just going to say that my shots were all guards because I had a really hard time getting them all the way down the ice. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently I need to work on my technique. Well, so the final score is determined based on the position of the stones within the house or the bullseye. Um, and the way the game is divided up is ends, which is almost like innings in baseball. So during an end, uh, like you mentioned, the teams alternate throwing and each of the four players on the team makes two shots per end. Uh, so you've got eight per team or 16 shots total makes up an end and only one team can score per end. So you get a point for every rock that's closer to the center of the house than the other team. Right. Now you might actually have an end where everybody has knocked everybody else's rocks out of the house and you'll have a score of zero. That's not totally uncommon. But generally, you'll have a couple of stones inside the house, and any um, stones that are, um, you know, the, the stone that's the closest to the center, uh, let's say it's the yellow team, then any yellow stones that are closer than the closest red stone will score a point. Right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, there's two different kinds of curling tournaments. You can have a bonspiel, uh, or a cash spiel. And in a cash spiel, as the name would suggest, uh, you win cash prizes for winning the tournament. Um, in a bonspiel, you can win anything from cars to new curling stones to T-bone steaks. Um, which honestly sounds like more fun to me, but... Yeah, the bonspiels that I looked into looked like a whole lot of fun. Um, sometimes costumes are involved, and you know we are always all about costume events. So you do love a costume. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm imagining that there's a lot of um, beer and revelry going on on the sidelines as well. Yeah, that's another thing that I love about this sport. Um, good sportsmanship is really important. It's called, like, the spirit of curling, um, and you're supposed to congratulate your opponents when they make a good shot. And traditionally, uh, the winners are even supposed to buy the losers a drink after yeah. the match. Yeah. I guess to drown their sorrows. Well, everyone is Canadian, so what do you expect? And I, re <laughs> I refuse to apologize for supporting the stereotype that um, all Canadians are super nice, because if you're going to get mad about that, then you just need to, you need some more problems in your life, okay? <laughs> Hey, look, back, going back to the um, scoring, I, one of the things that we should mention is about the hammer. Did you read about the hammer? Tell me about the hammer. Let me tell you about the hammer. Um, if you are the tell team... Tell me about the hammer, too. I'm going to tell Emily about the hammer, and Liv can listen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you're the team that was very sad because all your stones got knocked out of the house and you didn't score any points, 
you get the hammer. They actually put like a little icon of a hammer on the scoreboard next to your team um, for that end. And what that means is that you have earned the right to throw the last stone in the next end. And that, as you can imagine, those the last stone is the most important because you have the uh, opportunity if uh, your opponent has got a very well-placed shot, you have the opportunity to knock that well-placed shot out. So it's always good to have the hammer. Um, but you know, it's also, it means that you didn't get any points the previous end. So. <laughs> um, all right. Okay. Well, okay. Now that we kind of understand the rules and the gameplay, I want to hear more about your experience with curling. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Pressure's <laughs> on here. Well, okay. In the spirit Can we of that video of dad, Oh yeah, man. Absolutely. Cause Dave, brave Dave accompanied me on this outing, but in the spirit of research, I found that there is a dedicated space for curling here in Atlanta. We've got two clubs, but only one of them has their own dedicated space and a huge shout out to the Peachtree Curling Association in Marietta, because they have got a beautiful building, um, with, uh, three sheets. So you you can have three, um, three games going at the same time and just a really nice facility, um, I had the opportunity to work with Bob Hogan, who basically started this club up and um, made it happen so that this building is is there for the curlers in Atlanta to come and, and have a good time. <laughs> but Bob actually instructed uh, your dad and me. Um, he was a brave soul for, <laughs> for attempting. And dad actually had pretty good form. I'm not going to lie. Um, but we were out there right from the get-go throwing stones, and it's definitely um, harder than it looks. But having said that, once you've done it, you can go play a game. Like Bob was saying, okay, now you you guys have thrown a couple of stones. Yeah, they're they've been pretty stinky, but you could you could play with us next week. <laughs> I like that. It's a very accessible sport. It is. It is. It is a totally accessible sport. He he was telling me about this 70 something um, Canadian who was going to be coming woman, this little, he said this little teeny five foot woman who would be playing there next week. So really that's the kind of the cool thing about curling is that anybody can play. They even have wheelchair uh, curling, um, and, and people who can't like lean over to throw the stone, there's a special stick that you can use to push the stone from a standing position. That's awesome. So what did, what was more fun doing the throws or sweeping? Ah, uh, both of them were kind of stressful. <laughs> first, time, first time out of the box. Um, I guess sweeping, I guess sweeping. Yeah. Because that's something I, I can take orders pretty well. So if somebody's telling me sweep, 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 I can do that. But apparently, you know, people get pretty muscular because the harder you push down on your broom and the faster you sweep, the more friction you'll create, you'll, the more you'll warm up the ice. So you can, you got to be pretty strong to be effective as a sweeper. And that's huh. not to say I'm not strong. But it was fun. I could totally and and Peachtree Curling Association does do like 
team building for companies and birthday parties and stuff like that. I would love to get a group of friends together to learn to curl. I just think that would be such a fun night out. All right, your next birthday, Cammy's curling birthday extravaganza. Right? Liv, I think we need to get out there on the ice. Yeah, seriously. This sounds like we could even pull it off. You guys, there is a curling facility near you. So I strongly urge you to give it a try. It really is a lot of fun. Hey, with our with the four people in our house, we have a full team. That's right. I know, you do. You do. Well, and the Hogans, they're like this cute family of curlers. Cause they've got they've got the mom, the dad, and the two daughters, and they actually do curl as a team. Is that precious? <laughs> um Well, unfortunately, Emily and I did not have the opportunity to try curling for ourselves. Yet. But, yes. Yes. But we did watch a little bit of curling. Uh we watched the women's final of the Le Gruyere European Championship from 2016. Lots um, of grunting. A lot of grunting. The Cheese Championship. Mm-hmm. I know! The sponsorship website on the house was literally just like gruyere.com slash cheese. Which was great. Um, but anyway, we saw Russia uh, play Sweden and it was looking like Sweden's match for a lot of it, but they uh, they beefed their very last shot, and Russia ended up taking the gold medal. So pretty pretty exciting curling match. Hey, I got uh, a, I got a question for you, a opinion question. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Now, generally, just the average Joe would play eight ends. That's like the, as we mentioned the innings. And the professional curlers or the world championship they're, and the Olympics and stuff like that, they go 10 ends. And so it turns out that a match will go like two and a half hours. Does that to you guys seem like a really long time to watch curling? Not that I, I, I'm a fan now. I'm not going to lie. I'm a total fan, but I just feel like two and a half hours. Come on. Yeah, that's too much. It's it's a long time to be watching a thing, for sure. That's like a yeah. That's, that's too, a commitment. That's too that's much. why we love rugby sevens so much. <laughs> Shout out to rugby sevens, Colonel. I mean, it's entertaining to watch. I feel like it's the a sport that I would maybe put on in the background of doing other things. I did that, and it's just a lot of grunts. Yeah, I guess. Else. Yeah. It's just a lot of weird noises. But it was still it was still fun to watch. I thought uh the ladies of both teams were pretty cute. Um it was confusing to me a little bit because like I mentioned earlier, I didn't really understand what they were doing with the brooms. I did think that their shoes, their slidey shoes looked really fun. I would like yeah. to try that out. <laughs> I want to, like, get in on most of the components of curling, uh, except for, like, the actual curling. They ha- No, Em, you got to give it a go. It's really, really fun. And you would do great. I know you would. Well, look for us in the next Olympics, because it seems like, based on what you've told me, we probably have time to get, like, right on in there. Y- yeah. 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 <laughs> Based on the qualifications required if you, to curl. If you wanted to try curling, you don't even have to go buy the special shoes or anything right off the bat. You don't have to commit to the whole outfit. They've got these cute little Teflon 
sheets that you step on with your foot that will help you slide. So you can just wear sneakers or any kind of flat soled shoe to give it a shot. We'll just like tape some pieces of pizza boxes to our shoes and probably be good to go. At this point, they're basically paying you to try curling because they're so desperate. What? I don't know. No, they're not. I don't want to insult curling. No, definitely cut that out. No, I'm telling you, uh, from what I gathered from my instructor at Peachtree Curling Association in Marietta, this is a crazy growing sport in the United States. So... Well, I'm glad for that because it was it was a pretty good time to watch and to learn about. Well, since we watched this uh, final World Championship 2016, we had an opportunity to become familiar with some of the teams that are involved. And did you guys ever decide on a favorite team to watch in the future? We don't have a favorite team per se. We have a favorite curler that we would love to tell you all about he is sadly no longer active in the scene. He uh, His heyday was back in the 70s and 80s, but he is just such a character that we could not help but uh, pick him as our favorite. And I think Emily should, should take it away and tell us about our favorite curler. Our favorite curler? Oh, you mean Pizza Paul, the bad boy of curling? What? <laughs> <laughs> I love this boy. We both picked uh we both picked Pizza Paul separately as our fave curler and decided that he was too good not to share and give his own whole segment because this dude is a character. How did you find Pizza Paul? Tell me more about Pizza Paul. I don't even remember how I stumbled upon him, but the second I did, I knew he was a real gem. Um so this is Pizza Paul and Pizza Paul uh was uh Originally active in the 80s in curling, and he was kind of a curling rebel. We should mention, uh, his real name is Paul Gausel. Oh. Yeah. Where's he from? His real name's Paul Gausel, Canada, of course. Obviously. (laughs) Um, anyways, he was a, he was a good curler. However, he was more notorious for, he had this long hair and big bushy beard, and he drove around, um... To different curling events in his, like, beat-up Chrysler van and, like, drinking beer and curling and drinking more beer. <laughs> he was He was a party boy. He was a, he was a rowdy curling party boy. Uh, he wore the same pair of plaid pants all the time that supposedly, according to legend, he never washed. He was very flamboyant, and the way he got his nickname, Pizza Paul, was that one legend time, has it, <laughs> according to legend, he ordered a pizza to the ice during a match, which he then shared with his teammates. On the ice during a match. And the legend part of it is that uh, it, they say that the reason his team lost is because of his... Uh, curling stone hit a stray olive on the ice and lost the game. (laughs) I think that's very fitting with the whole spirit of curling. Why not order pizza and share it with Like, I can get down with that. (laughs) Yeah. As a sport, as far as sports go, 
He seemed like a pretty a pretty cool dude, and I think he paved the way for a more chill and fun curling. This sport is getting better and better all the time. Well, I know. In my effort to find a favorite curler, I actually came across a calendar of the men of curling. (laughs) Maybe Pizza Paul was on it. I don't know. But those were some good-looking guys. Um, I actually, though, went in the opposite direction and found cute little Philippe Hosley, who is a Swiss curler. And last year, at the ripe age of 14, he was the youngest curler at the young... Youth Olympics in Lillehammer to win a medal. And he actually won a gold medal in mixed doubles and a bronze medal with his mixed team. But I think that that's a name that we should be looking out for in the future. Little Philippe Hosley, the 14-year-old curling wunderkind. He's like a literal infant child. (laughs) That's super cute. I, I hope his career continues to... I bet that rock is as big as he is. <laughs> I hope he continues to have a long and illustrious curling career. Thank you, too. Oh, go Philippe. Go Philippe. So, anything else, guys? I think we pretty much yeah, covered got it. all of curling ever. Yeah, that's it. We did it all. It is a game of strategy. Uh, I've, I read and I was actually told at my lesson that that curling is like chess on ice. So apparently there's a lot of, of strategy okay. that goes into it. <laughs> okay. All right. Sure. Well, do you guys feel that we have left no stone unturned? Ugh! I bet they use that one of the articles. <laughs> I think I think we're pretty well covered. All right, cool. Don't forget that if you would like to suggest a sport for GoGo Sports Bros, you can tweet at GoGo Sports Bros or email us at gogosportsbros at gmail.com. All right, guys, bring it in. Ready? Sports Bros on three. One, two, three. Sports, Sports Bros! Bros!